Jim Shoemaker, Jim Whitehead, and Jason Harrington are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, today, you know, it's almost, I mean, I can sense school is out. We begin to see the people headed to vacations. I mean, it is a summertime in Memphis. Welcome to hot weather. But there's something else that goes on. We all kind of get this idea that we need to get fit, physically fit during the summer because we want to look better. We don't wear all the heavy coats and stuff. I guess it's, I don't know, we just kind of get carried away a little bit. But I like, think I think it's healthy and I think it's important that we do get physically fit and healthy and examine ourselves. And this is the time of the year that we do that. So... I thought it would be appropriate for me to invite a very, very efficient, effective, healthy individual, physically fit, uh, Jason Harrington from Shoemaker Financial. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, sir. I, you know, physically fit is definitely transferred via radio. <laughs> you're doing, you know. you're, actually, you've done a great job being physically fit. You are physically fit, and I appreciate that, but I really don't want to talk about exercise okay, yeah, and neither. the gym yeah. and all those things. It's I, too early to talk it, about exercise. Exactly. Uh, I did my sweating already this <laughs> yes. morning. But here's the thing. I do think it's important because, I, you know, we kind of have this moment where we kind of pause a little bit when school's out. And, you know, it's kind of that vacation time. You get to go and sit on the beach or the mountains or wherever you're going for, you know, for that. But one of the things that I think is important is looking at this time of the year to kind of step back and get financially fit. I agree. It's interesting that we you, you have this tendency to go through this cycle where you think about getting not only – revamping your physical fitness, but also your financial fitness when it's freezing cold in January. And then you turn around and it's like summertime. You start thinking about getting physically fit and financial fit. You get a little breath. You're about to take vacations and start thinking about your money and what's going to, what you're going to spend over the summer. So now's a good time to, for our listeners to, to look at that again. Well, I think that's critical. And I think a lot of people listening, and I, I know they talk about this, we don't cover this subject often, and I asked Jason, would he just prepare something to kind of help us go through this process to understand what does it mean to be financially fit? So, Jason, let me start with that question. When I say financially fit, what do you think of? You know, I, I think first, you know, it, it's a good time when you start thinking about uh, financial fitness to first stop for a second and take stock of what you have. Um, you know, we, life is busy. I mean, if you have children, if you're listening, you have children, you know, you're running nonstop bills are being paid. You're not looking at this every, every night, every weekend you're at the T-ball field or you're at ballet or dance. And so the first thing I think about being financially fit, is to, <clears throat> excuse me, is to first stop and take stock of the things you have. Where are your, what's in your checking account and what's your savings account number? Where are your, uh, you know, your statements for your mortgage? Do you have a good accounting of all the financial things you have going on in your life? Well, that is so critical. So let me kind of put this in there, physical fitness. This is the pause and look in the mirror. This is looking in the mirror. That's right. <laughs> right. Standing on that scale, okay. you know, seeing where it. things are going. So I kind of check where I, you know, a lot of people think they have that data 
and and I know that's not always the case. They they don't they can't find their let's say it's their four hundred one k plan or they can't find maybe they were in the military they they don't know where that DD you know form is and so it's kind of like you got to get get it all out of the box and the the you know the, uh, the various drawers that ends up over time the, the folders for us the basket oh, in the middle of the table on right. the, in the kitchen so uh, yeah we we know we have things but being able to easily access it, and especially today with so many things going to paperless. Uh, and you you don't have that hard copy to look at. Uh, some of your finances get sort of trapped out in that finan- in that in that web space, and you're not looking at it as frequently as you did maybe ten years ago. So uh, it, passwords change. You forget your password. So taking a minute to be able to to just access all the pieces you have online and get your eyes on it is a good exercise. You know, I know you talk about this, but it's also looking at the strengths and the weaknesses. I mean, you kind of you're examining those areas that you really want to work on. That's right. It's you know, a lot of times with goal setting, especially, you know, if we're going to continue down the physical fitness, oh, okay, you know, good. standpoint, uh, you know, if you go out and you, you know, I've often told clients this all the time, you know, I can probably right now, you guys may not believe this, but I think right now in what I'm wearing these dress shoes, I think I could go out and complete a three-mile run right now. Now, you, you may disagree, but the, the problem you know, with was, that— If this was television, we'd have to— We'd prove have to prove that, that right? right? <laughs> now, I'd be back tomorrow, yeah, okay. but I could complete it. But the, the problem is I'm probably going to feel that the next day. Yeah. And my motivation to get up and do it is going to be— pro- So a better uh, assessment for my physical journey, same with your financial journey, is say, well, why don't I— Focus on one mile and let me uh, let me really focus on one mile and get one mile really down really good. And so when you're looking at your financial you know, goals and your financial picture, maybe you look at your budget. Maybe that's the thing we're going to focus on for the next few months. Or maybe it is our retirement accounts or college savings or, uh, you know, cash in the bank. We're going to focus on one thing. We're going to get that good. Uh, then we'll run our second mile and then we'll run our third mile. Uh, and you 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 find that you have much more long term success, and you stick with the program better than trying to do everything at one time. Well, I think that what you're saying is basically <laughs> literally understanding prioritization. That's really right. saying, look, let's make some priorities here. I appreciate the way, you, and then taking small steps. A lot of times we back the truck up and try to load everything into the truck at one time, and we get, I think, frustrated. Uh, depressed. I mean, a lot of people start with a budget or what it is you said, and they just can't finish it because it's it overwhelms them. And you're saying don't do that. Prioritize and take small steps. Yeah, Jim Whitehead's with us here today, and I know he's. We've talked about this a lot. That you know, sometimes when our clients come in to get financially fit, <clears throat> as a as a coach, as a guide for their financial fitness, we see a lot of areas that we would like to get them to work on and exercise on. But the, the reality is that we have to walk our clients through a process of prioritizing what they can handle uh, given the rest of what's going on in their life. Well, the reality is that we don't know what's going on. The next, the next day, as we talked earlier, can change everything. So, so yes. having some priorities. Jim Whitehead, he's with us also in the studios from Shoemaker Financial. Jim, from your practice, when we talk of prioritization and, and understanding that we don't know the future, what do you say to your clients when you're talking about prioritizing what they're doing? Right. I like to um, walk them today, tomorrow, and the future. Today, you know, I think Jason makes a really good point is uh, get on the scale and see what you have. That starts off with a budget. 
And then very quickly it goes to, you know, how are you going to go through to today if something happens? So we look at emergency fund. And the next thing is, you know, what's going to happen when my kids go to college or I want to buy that next house or that next step? That's, that's the next step. That's tomorrow. And then the future is long term. And long term may be retirement or it may be um, the change of, of what I'm going to do in the next 20 years. What does that look like? So we start helping them prioritize today moving forward, whatever's important to them. And we really want to dig down. And our financial planning model kind of goes through those things to help you. them. I, I think another, another thing to ask is why? You know, why do you want to be financially fit? When you go into a gym and you want to start exercising and maybe losing weight or getting financially fit, you know, I think you're more motivated to do it if you understand why you're doing it. Does your doctor making you do it? Do you just want to look good in a pair of jeans? Do you want to get ready for the beach? That's going to drive you more and help you stay on task than just, I want to, I want to get in shape. You know, I think that's so critical for everybody listening. Bottom line is, as you as you said, from the physical fitness side, if your doctor's told you to lose weight, your doctor said, you know, do this or do that, we have a tendency to say there must be some real se- serious reason. What's the biggest problem? If I don't do that, what's the awful consequence? That's right. There's always a, a price to pay if price you don't do pay. it. And you know? So what we're saying here, getting financially fit is a uh, you know is also avoiding some type of consequence if you don't do that. Well, if you missed just tune in, I'm talking with Jason Harrington and Jim Whitehead. We're talking about being financially fit. When we come back, I want Jason to absolutely define three or four specific reasons and goals that we want to do and why they're important and why they need to be meaningful goals because we all know if I've got to lose 20 pounds and it's a meaningful goal because my doctor said it and there's a consequence for not doing it, I'm more probably you know, going to concentrate on that than not. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Also coming up, uh, we're going to talk about some economic data that you need to be sensitive about. And we have our guest. He's a frequent guest of ours, Bob Dahl. And I can't wait to have him on the program. He'll be with us when we come back into the second half of the program. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Well, welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker and you're listening to Talk Money. I have We've prepared for you, our office did, six important financial strategies that we think would be extremely helpful if you're going to try to work through that process of becoming financially fit. Now, if you tuned into the program, you might have thought earlier that we were talking about an exercise program. Obviously not. This is a money program, and we're talking about some important strategies, financial strategies. And I just want to remind you that you can go online and pick that up for you. I'll talk about that more later on. But now, Jason, let's get to this point here. You, I wanted you to give us some specifics. I have gotten all of a sudden, you know, it's summertime. I want to move into being financially fit. Obviously, I'm working out, don't want to be physically fit, but I really want to know. So I'm gathering people around me that are part of my advisory team and my spouse, uh, maybe my accountant, my financial advisor, all those people. Where do I start and what are the goals that we're looking for? All right, number one, and this may sound a bit remedial, but it is critical. Number one is to define where you want to go, define your goal. 
uh, and be clear about it. 80% of uh, resolutions and goals that we set for ourselves fail simply because we are not clearly defining them. We're saying things like, I want to uh, get in better shape instead of I want to run three miles in 30 minutes or uh, but to really define it. Think about where you want to go. Think about the vision for your life. I love this quote by Andy Stanley that says vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. And if you can get to this mental picture of what could we accomplish financially, what could we do, and then get some energy behind that and fuel it with this conviction that it that it should happen. We so can it, make that it could happen. be get out of debt. It could be to have a three months of, of savings, savings, emergency funds, college funds for the kids. All those can be, but be specific. Don't just say I want save a college money. fund. Yeah, I want you know, save money. Yeah, right. I want That's to what, save money. So or the key word less. there is be specific. Be about specific. What. Write it down. Um, you know, there's a lot of studies out there that talk about if you write down your goals then you have a better chance of hitting them. You have a much better chance of hitting them if you set clear goals, write them down, and tell someone. And that's where a financial advisor can be a great uh, accountability partner for uh, you. That is, that that's powerful. Let me ask you this. I know you talk about this. When do you review this, or how often do you review this? Or I guess the last question, Do you once you get it done, do you review it? Absolutely. Re- reviewing and checking in on where you are is also one of the other top three reasons that people – fail with their resolutions and their goals. They set goals, but then they kind of set them on the front end and they don't check their progress. Uh, You're going to need to look in on your financial goals at least once a year, depending on your situation. It could be two or three times on what you're trying to accomplish. But at least once a year, you need to kind of have that routine doctor's checkup to see, am I doing the right things on my own track? So if I have a physical, make so I'm also looking at my financial Your financial physical, physical I like too. That. The I same like way. that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Jim Whitehead will be back with us in a few minutes. He's going to talk about some of the biggest issues that people have. We have a question from a lady that's all of a sudden find herself in the middle of a divorce, and he's going to help us walk through that. But now, let me tell you. We are very privileged to have with us Bob Dahl. He is the former, I mean, when we say former, but he has been so busy and working hard, chief equity strategist at Nuveen, and we're pleased to have him. And I just want to say welcome, Bob, to the program, sir. Thank you, sir. Great to hear your voice. Well, it's good to hear yours. Always a pleasure, dear friend. And I've got a question for you because this is the questions we're hearing. So many people are talking about what are the biggest threats. I mean, the news media says it's one thing. You've got it going all over the place. You even have a couple of the investment gurus, and I'm not going to mention any names, come out and say the biggest problem we have facing the country today is, and I could throw out inflation, jobs, market volatility. I'm going to turn it over to you, sir. Let's talk about inflation First and foremost, what do you see? I think inflation is an issue, Jim, that we're going to have to wrestle to the ground. Everybody knows how strong the economy is and how good earnings have been and are likely to continue to be. And that's what's powered this market to to levels that probably you and I didn't expect. But now the market's gotten stuck. Uh, you know, NASDAQ's the same place it was 90 days ago. S&P's the same place it was 30, 30 days ago. Because on the other side of that tug-of-war rope, Jim, and remember, one direction is good economy and great earnings, the other side is the fear of higher inflation and higher interest rates that go with that. As you know, the Fed has said, ah, yeah, inflation's up, but it's transitory. That's the magic word, meaning it's going to disappear. 
Well, there is clear evidence that some of the inflation increase is transitory, simply because we're comparing it to a year ago when we were at the, at the bottom of the recessionary problem caused by the pandemic. But I think there's also evidence that some of the pickup in prices is more entrenched and is nastier, and we got to watch wage rate inflation. So I think inflation won't stay at the very high levels we've seen just in the last couple of prints. But I think it's the era of zero to two percent inflation that we've enjoyed for it seems like forever is probably in the history books, Jim, and that's a different game. Do you think when you talk about inflation now, you know, I, you remember and I remember hyperinflation of the late 70s and early 80s where it got just out of control. You're not talking about hyperinflation. I know that's off the table. At least I don't think we are. But the second part is, is this going to be a number that we might as well accept that, you know, when you say where the Fed has talked about 2% has been a kind of a target. Now we're saying 2, 7, 2 and 3 quarters, 3, 3 and a quarter. Are we going to hit this 3% inflation rate, and will it stay here for a while, in your opinion? Or do you see it having an end date simply because we work our way out of it? Your thought. I know we have to work our way out. That's a bad question. I know we have to work our way out of it. Is this going to take 12 months, 36 months, 60 months? Yeah, I, I, think, that the, I think it's going to take longer to work it out. To repeat, the inflation we're coming to grips with now is a much higher number year over year. So it won't stay at the 4 and 5% level. But is it going to go back to 1.8? I don't think so, Jim. Okay. Remember, the Fed has basically been begging now for months for higher inflation. Please give us 2% inflation. Well, be careful what you wish for, you know? And, and we've also been in an environment where the government has thrown um, uh, trillions, I almost said billions, trillions of dollars at us. And, you know, one of the classic definitions of inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. Well, there's a lot of money chasing those goods. And, you know, we have some supply shortages here and there. So you put those two things together, it's no wonder prices are moving up. I think, Jim, the answer to your good question, how long will it last, will be viewed via wage growth. Wage growth is the most difficult inflation or price increase to get out of the system. Once it gets going, it tends to have a life of its own. And I think we're going to get a little bit of wage rate inflation. And that's the part we're going to have to manage out of the system. And that will take time. No, oh, that's a great point. Speaking of wages, I know the job, we just got the job report from the Department of Labor. And they said at 8.1, a little over 8.1 million jobs nationwide. As of the end of March, and that's a big number. It's the highest number in recorded history. What do you think about jobs? Well, there, there are a lot of jobs. That's, more, lot, lot that's of amazing. Jobs. It is amazing. That's a lot of jobs, no question about it. And while I don't want to get political, we, we do know that, that, that the government has given some people enough money that they look at, well, that's coming in the mailbox, and I can sit on my couch and wait for the mailman to show up. Or I can go to work. Huh. I, I think I'm better off staying on the couch because that number is a big number it compared is. to what I might get paid if I go to work. We, we can't we can't solve our problems if we're paying people more to stay at home than go to work. We've got to fix that, and that gets into politics. And some states, as you know, are waking up to that and taking this, quote, extra $300 and not sending it out. Uh, and and that look, I, I'm not against. Uh, hear me well, Jim, and I know you feel this way too. People who need help, fine, let's help them. 
but people that don't need help. I mean, how many people do you know that received, now I'm going to get political, checks over the last 12 months that had a full-time job and were doing just fine? I got a couple of kids in that boat. I hear you. I hear you. Well, here's the thought. When we come back, I want to talk about household income, Bob. I really want to talk about the fact that it's up so high and market volatility. If you just tuned in, my guest, Bob Dahl, we'll be back with him in just a minute. We're talking about a market update, giving us some great advice. Advice. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Securian Financial Services Incorporated nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Bob Dahl. The views and opinions expressed are those of Bob Dahl only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services Incorporated or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with Bob Dahl. We were talking about uh, inflation. We've just got covered that subject and now jobs. And then, you know, the whole idea behind jobs is 82 million new jobs in the U.S., and uh, if you want a job, there's uh, almost 8.2, that is. If you want a job, there's a job. But, Bob, you mentioned this, but, you know, household income is up 21%. That's the largest increase since 1959. That comes from the Department of Commerce. I read that, Bob, and I went, whoa. And you're right. Maybe people are saying, why go work when I'm getting as much money coming in? But is that is that good for jobs? What do you see? What does that what that do to the economy? Well, first of all, uh, that that number is a big number, as you point out, and it is the reason, uh, among a few others, that the economy is doing so well. It's the reason, therefore, that corporate earnings have been so good, and uh, why the stock market has done so well. So, all 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 good news. But of course, we know that some significant, more than half of that increase, Jim, has come from government aid. And that's not sustainable forever. Uh, so we will have a slowing in income growth. But in the meantime, it is providing a comeback in our economy, along with the vaccinations and people beginning to feel better about doing things um, that is going to witness a very strong um, U.S. economy in the second half of this year. So this is good news. Um, but it is part of why we've seen an increase in inflation, which is the bad side of the good news. Well, you know, I like the fact that you say good news. But, again, we just have to all keep that in mind. You know, I think what you're telling us, when you look at inflation, we look at jobs, it's a part of the economy. It's a part of the market. So when I say this word, you know, for some people, that's a nasty word. For you and me, it's this just reality. It is the nature. It is what's supposed to happen. And, of course, that word is volatility. <laughs> I had to whisper it. <laughs> because, you know, how many people do you talk to that, that when they hear volatility, the market's up, okay, the market's down? People have a tendency to turn that into fear which is, I think, a little bit of an underlying mood problem for a lot of people. Volatility to some people creates fear. What's your thoughts? Uh, I totally agree. I'm glad you whispered it because uh, some people view it as a four-letter word. Of course, fear <laughs> exactly. is a four-letter word, not volatility. Uh, I, you know, I didn't see a whole lot of people get scared when the market went straight up starting in March of last year. 
the volatility was all on the upside. And volatility has two signs, plus and minus, and it's the minus that gets people scared. Stocks are inherently, the stock market itself is inherently a volatile animal, I like to say. That's good. It goes up and it goes down over time because the economy and earnings grow. It goes up more than it goes down. But when you own stock, you've got to expect volatility. It is normal. And we've, we've seen in recent weeks, for the first time in a while, some volatility on the downside. Not that much. I mean, Jim, you know this. You've been at this for, for a long time, too. Most years, there's a 10% correction in the stock market. Absolutely. And, and if we got a 10% pullback, I'm sure that fear word will rise its ugly head for a lot of people. But it's normal. And that's what people have to get used to and recognize that, uh, you know, the, the old saying, it's not time in the market, it's time in the market. And we're going to get a 10% at some point in time. It is normal. You know, the media, and I and I don't want to beat the media up, that's not the necessary, necessary today, but the reality is it creates this emotional divide that some people get, as we talked about, fear, and that fear can create all kind of bad decisions. So uh, I guess if, if you're putting this to thought together, when I think about personal savings right now, it's $6 trillion, an all-time, that's actually second, that's an all-time high, though, but in the last 15 years, but it's second when you think about it. The personal savings, we're putting money away, we're putting money away. When do we begin to see that money come into the market is this fear going to create the problems we don't bring it? I mean, your take on what you're seeing from the emotional side of the investor. So my belief, uh, Jim, or I should say there's evidence to show, it's not as a belief, that a lot of money has come into the market from savings. I mean, if, 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 if you're earning money, forget the government for a minute, if you're earning money, but um, everything you usually spend your money on is shut, You've got cash. You've got to figure out what to do. I can't go to that restaurant. I can't get on the airplane to go to that vacation spot. So guess what people have done? They put the money into the market to some degree. So some of that has found its way into the market. And it's going to continue as long as those income levels that you mentioned earlier uh, stay so high. So a lot of money has come into the stock market. But there's a ton of cash on the sidelines, too. Some of it would work its way. It's it's one of the underpinnings to the stock market that keeps uh, valuations at uh, you know pretty full levels. Well, you know, it's always a pleasure. If you just tuned in, my guest is Bob Dahl. He is the former chief equity strategist at Nuveen. And, Bob, you know, I always enjoy listening to you, your wisdom, your counsel. If you could summarize in just a few minutes here, and I, want to, I really want to kind of hope, want you to walk me through this, if you could say, and, I, and you know, I know you do your top ten. We'll have you sometime in July to review your top ten. But what would you say, just from the summary of what we've seen from the first half of the year? I mean, literally, it's already summertime, which is a shocker. It's flying by. But what do you see for the summer and the rest of the year? So, f- first of all, we're, what, what has powered us higher, as we mentioned when we started talking a few minutes ago, strong economy, and better-than-expected earnings. And that has been an unbelievably strong positive. For the summer and the rest of the year, that will still be with us. But we've got to recognize markets, to some degree, know that's going to happen. Can we continue to exceed expectations by the magnitude we've been doing? I'm not so sure. And then you've got this this budding... Uh, inflation uh, problem that we talked about earlier, the uncertainty about how much of it's transitory 
how much of it is more more permanent and uh, the rise in interest rates. Remember, 10-year treasuries yielded 93 basis points on December 31st, and we were up in the 170s, we're in the 150s as we speak. Rates are creeping higher, mm. and I think that will continue. So I think I come back to rest of the year, Jim, tug of war. Strong earnings and unbelievable economy on the one side, and the fear of an actuality of some rise in inflation and interest rates and that's going to create some volatility, to, to repeat, in both directions. Yeah, that's a great point. We always tell investors, take your emotions, put them in a box, and don't don't pull them out for at least five years. <laughs> well, well said, and that speaks to time frame. Much of what we've been talking about in our few minutes here is kind of here and now, summer, rest of the year. People that are investing in the stock market need to have a long-term time horizon and, and ignore these uh, perturbations that can, can go in both directions in the yeah. short run. Well, sorry, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. We so much appreciate uh, Bob Dahl, dear friend. Bob, have a great week and a great Memorial Day. Celebrate what you got going on with your family. Thank you so much, sir, for being a part of today's program. Thanks. Same to you. Enjoy. All right, man. Bob Dahl, chief, uh, former chief equity strategist at Nuveen, frequent guest, and always does a wonderful job. Going to shift back, and we're going to bring Jim Whitehead back into the program because, Jim, the question, welcome, sir, back again. You, you didn't go very far. You've been sitting here. Thank you for so patiently. You know, twice you kind of hit me and said, am I up next? Am I up next? All right. It's <laughs> yeah. a pleasure. Thanks for it's asking me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for us, sir. But here's the question I've got for you. I mean, I have a this this person calls actually was referred by someone a client and said hey I am seventy three which is uh, surprising I guess forty year marriage and uh, going through a divorce and that's what she's found out so I want to ask you kind of those things that I mean you could tell she was asking me what to do but an enormous amount of emotions talk about that for me you know I wish I wish we could do like you just said put them in a box right yeah, that would be nice but man they just leak out and they they that's something that we have to understand with divorce is that it's the emotional side is something that you have to go through it's it, like you said 40 years there's change um there's fear there's anxiety there's guilt there's depression all these emotions and they're hitting you at all different times you know I was listening to uh, all the stuff that y'all are talking about physically fit right and when we're physically fit or financially fit that's about building it's about growing. It's about developing. And divorce is a little bit more like quicksand. You're stuck. And you're just waiting to figure out how to get out. And in the beginning, you're just you're tossing and you're turning and you're moving every body part. And that makes you sink faster. So, you know, the best advice starting off when you, when you realize you're in this situation and this situation has come to the table is to start looking and developing a team of wise counsel around you. I cannot tell you how important that is, but every single time, if you don't know where to start, that's where you got to start. All right, I want to come back when we talk about that. I think it's important. I appreciate you mentioning team, because when we come back, I want to find out who is on the team. Okay. This lady needs to know who, I mean, face it, was she thinking divorce? Not a chance. Now she is. She doesn't know who the team, who the team is. Where does she go to find it? That's what I want to talk about when we come back. If you just tuned in, we're talking with Jim Whitehead. We're talking about what happens when you have a, a divorce or you're told you're going to be facing a divorce. Not any, nobody wants to hear that, but it does happen. So how do you deal with divorce and money? I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking about a question that we received from a listener. And I want to remind you, if you've got questions for us, just send them to us. Talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll get your questions on. No questions asked. And it may take us a, you know, a week or so, but we'll try to answer it for you. And that's what we're doing today. 73-year-old lady, married 40 years, and... Um, I mean, just all of a sudden found out that her husband did not want to stay married. And it was devastating and devastating for a lot of reasons. And when she called, referred by someone, and she said, I just want to know what to do. And I am talking with Jim Whitehead. Jim Whitehead has some experience and training in helping people through divorces. He's a certified financial planner. Jim, let me ask you this from a team standpoint. You mentioned the word before we took the break. A team approach. Help me. Who is on my team? Well, I think the beginning is you have to know and understand the rules of your state. So Mississippi and Arkansas does not mandate mediation, and Tennessee requires mediation. So I think you have to start with going out and interviewing um, legal counsel, finding an attorney that understands your state's rules and regulations and can guide you through that process. After that, I mean, there's a there's other people that we don't always think of, and, and one may be a counselor to work through the emotional side of this. One may be um, the financial expert who helps you understand and digs down into the numbers of your financial life in this divorce. It is not uncommon, as we help um, clients all the time, one loves the financial side and one never wants to look at it. So one person may have the responsibilities of, of knowing the numbers and the other person has never looked at them. So we got to help understand that. So the financial aspect is extremely important. And then you need a break sometimes. Friend, friends, family that can take you away from that moment. You know, for a guy, may play, go play golf or go bowling. For the ladies, it may go get a cup of coffee or go shopping or get away and be normal for a second. Not necessarily getting advice, but just to get away from the stress. Bottom line is you're talking about put people around you that support you. Correct. But also give you wise counsel. Right. And understanding who to ask for the wise counsel. For example, don't ask the friends taking you off to do something fun. They're not the wise counsel for legal advice or financial advice. They may be able to give you some, but be careful. Well, I think it's important for us to also, we do not support or, you know, we do not condone divorce. That's never our thoughts. And we do a lot of counseling about that. We also, I suggest many times, I know you two guys do, suggest go to biblical counseling. Go get somebody that can help you through this before it gets any further. So I think, Jim, I've heard you say this before, that, most of the time, that moment of being told there's going to be a divorce is not what it's been going on for months and right. months and months. And so be out there. Think about what's going on. So as you're seeking wise counsel, get that biblical counseling from that standpoint. Let me remind everybody, too, all three of us being financial you know, advisors, professionals, do not provide specific tax or legal advice. And any information that we're sharing with you today is considered to be not such. No, in other words, we're not giving you tax or legal advice. You should always consult your tax and legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and legal situation. What we're talking about is what? Money, finances. How do you put all that together? And, and I want to lean in, Jim, and say, all right, now I've got to begin to divide things. So let's talk about property. How do I divide property? Do I own the house jointly? Does that automatically tell me that I get half the proceeds if we sell the house? You know, when we come to the table and we talk about the assets and the income, we're looking at who gets what, right? And not all assets are created equal. There are assets that are better that you would want um, 
Better assets have no taxable situation. Um, cash is a good one in that example. Um, have $500,000 of cash or $500,000 IRA, I would take the cash. A lot of times we have an emotional attachment to something. For example, I want to stay in the house. We've been in this house for 30 years or 20 years, and that house, even though it may have a good value, may not be as good of an asset as something else. So understanding the differences of the impact of the decision on those assets makes a big difference in the way you walk out of this divorce. You know, you mentioned earlier that a lot of times that it's sometimes one individual may have the financial wherewithal, they know the business, they know what's going on, and the other may have always depended on the other spouse. And that doesn't mean it's gender-related. It could be, you know, the husband right. literally has no clue. He just went to work. Wife took care of everything. Or the other way around, husband took care of everything, never told the wife. So they have to begin to communicate. They Again, and Jason, you mentioned it earlier when you talked about being financially fit, finding out where everything is. That has to happen in this scenario. I know, the, I know in the scenarios that I've worked with couples going through this that the financial discovery, and Jim, you could probably speak to this, right. the financial discovery portion of that it can be overwhelming. And it's really good to have someone like Jim in your corner who knows the right questions to ask, knows the right documents you're going to need to provide adequate financial discovery. That does become so much more uh, less of a, a stressful moment if you have been financially fit throughout your life. And even if you are, uh, you know, in certain couples, somebody doesn't want to be the CFO of the family, but, but, being aware of your financial situations, responsibility for both couples to at least engage in being aware of what's going on. You don't have to to do all the spreadsheets and all that stuff, but that can help. I know, Jim, you've actually been, say, you've represented one individual and you've been working with another certified financial planner or financial professional where they're representing the other individual and the two of you come together. Explain what's going on with the dynamics of two professionals working together for on behalf of the two getting a divorce. Yeah, you know, the easy answer there is to try to make it amicable quicker so that they understand. Um, In the divorce process, you know, both parties do their own discovery with their legal counsel and then bring that information. And one of the things that really causes a lot of conflict is when you don't know the numbers, and you weren't the person, and, and you're going through a divorce. Divorce is a is a, a time of mistrust, right? And, and brokenness. That's right. So you, one person may be really doubting those numbers. Uh, I'll give you a great example. Um, my husband or wife that own a business and it makes a lot of money, and it's worth a lot, but we don't know what that means. And so now we're having to understand. And it's good to have financial counsel that can go out there and bring those values to the table for clarity, so that we can now move to the next steps and the next step. And so I think when we have professionals that are able to look at it um, and wanting to have um, conclusion, it helps. But a lot of times we have people who are arguing those numbers. Uh, and that makes it even more complicated and it lasts even longer, which is, is, again, you're in quicksand. You can't get out. How do we get out quickly? I think we make bad decisions when our emotions are in control, when our emotions are so sensitive, and I think that's the problem. And it's difficult. I know it's difficult to have people who are in that disagreement mode to come together and work through things. So that can be very – so we talk about emotions, and that's the biggest – you know, one of the biggest things that the people right. have to deal with. What do you see when you talk about the conflicts? We talk about children. We talk about alimony. 
talk about child care and alimony and how that has to play out in a divorce. Yeah, usually the state will mandate, um, depending on time with a parent, a parenting plan. So the, each state really helps in those parents figuring out what that plan is going to look like. And then we have the numbers behind it. So if you're going to go through mediation, those things are negotiable depending on how much time is spent with each child, the income of each uh, parent where the child is going to stay. There are equations that each state provides to help um, understand those rules. But in mediation, you can still argue and debate some of that. You know, if you want more assets, you're going to get less income, right? And we're going to break that between alimony and child support. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So let me quickly quickly ask you this question. I think it's important. The reality being, and it's got to give me just about a 30-second answer to it, they got to start doing some financial planning, some strategy, regardless. That's correct. You know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Eventually, you're going to get to walk out that door into freedom of a new life. And at that point, financial planning is a must. Where you may not have known it before, you must handle it now. This is the rest of your life we're talking about. What's past is over. We're out of that. Let's move forward. Let's build a good financial plan so that you can hit that financial fitness that you're talking about. Jim Whitehead, we're talking about money and divorce. A great subject, tough subject. Don't like to talk about it, but it is something we have to deal with. I hope we've answered that person's question that asked it. You've been listening to KWAM, of course, the mighty 990 FM 107.9 and AM 990. I want to thank my guest, of course, Bob Dahl, former strategist, investment strategist for Nuveen, Jim Whitehead and Jason Harrington from Shoemaker Financial. If you have questions for Bob, Jim, or Jason, you can reach them at 901-757-5757. And to find a copy of the PDF that I mentioned earlier, Six Important Financial Strategies, you can go to our Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document that's on our post. There you'll be able to view the document, or if you'd like to download it, it's free. To print it, just feel free to download it to a PDF. Next week, my guest, Drew Johnson, we're talking about misconceptions about bonds, Scott Jordan, portfolio construction, and Dane Williams, the important question, when it comes to your PNC insurance. That's Wednesday at 9 a.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990. If you have questions, I've always said this, send them to Talk Shoemaker, Talk Money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. This is a great time. We are very glad it's Memorial Weekend. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Jim Whitehead, and Jason Harrington are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.